So I want to begin with a question, and, and uh, Roy, you should know the answer to this. What is the heaviest thing in the world, caveat, what is the heaviest man-made thing in the world that has ever been weighed? I'm sure Roy knows, and I'm not going to make him answer, because that would be cruel. Does anybody know the heaviest man-made thing in the world that has ever been weighed? Revolving service structure at launch pad 39B at the Kennedy Space Center. It weighs 2,423 tons, or 5,342,000 pounds. Heaviest man-made structure ever weighed on the planet. You want to know something, though? It's not right. Do you know what the heaviest man-made structure really is? There's nowhere that knows this except one book. What is the heaviest man-made thing that has ever been weighed? Go in peace, serve the Lord. <laughs> How much does sin weigh? I and I can preach. <clears throat> Mark 14. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what? And he came and he found his disciples sleeping and he said, Peter, to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he came again and he found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy. And they didn't know what to answer him. And he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. The word of the Lord. This is an amazing text if you slow down and look at it. I want to look at it in three ways with a heavy emphasis on the first, distress, sleep, and grace. But I want you to look at what's happening here in Gethsemane. It's a garden they've been to before. You say, why do I say they've been there before? It just sounds better. John, John 1 says they frequent, uh, John 18 verse 2 says they frequented the place. It's part of how Judas knew they were there. It says, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. It's in the, on the Mount of Olives. It's a garden. The name Gethsemane means wine press. And they go in the garden. And they walk in. There are 11 of them. And they go in the garden. Jesus leaves eight by the door. And he walks further in. And then he leaves, takes the three with him. Peter, James, and John. Interesting. The three who went up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember that in Mark 9? They saw the deity of Christ on full display. Well, now they'll see the humanity of Christ on full display. And he takes him in, and he says, watch, stay awake, be alert. He goes further in. It's a big garden. And he goes and he prays. And do you see what he's praying here? Anybody pay attention to that? He says, 
Verse 33, he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. 34, he's sorrowful even to death. 35 and 36, remove this cup from me. You ever read Luke's parallel account? Jesus starts sweating blood. What is going on? Jesus is wimping out. He, he's weak. He's not as strong and stoic. <laughs> no, no, no. You guys ever hear of Latimer and Ridley? Reformation men. They were living in 16th century England. They were going to be killed for their faith. They were tied to the stake. They were lit on fire. And Latimer says to Ridley, listen to this. Be of good cheer, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day, by God's grace, light such a candle in England as I trust shall never be put out. Got Jesus freaking out. And Ridley representing for the kingdom. I got Jesus saying, God, take this away. And Ridley and Latimer, Latimer saying, look at us burn. Why? If you can't answer that question, you miss the beauty of the gospel. Too many times as Christians, we don't want to address that question because it scares us. We don't know. Why is Jesus freaking out? He's not freaking out. It's a wrong expression. I should tidy up my words. Why is Jesus showing so much distress and anguish? Why is he asking the Father to take this cup from him? Does he mean that? Well, every word of his is true. Why, why would he pray in such a way? And Latimer and Ridley and the saints who were eaten by the lions in the Colosseum, Luther, he didn't die right there, but here I stand, I can do no other. Jesus, Father, Take this cup from me. Isn't this uncomfortable? Why is Jesus so distressed? Watch. When Ridley and Latimer died, where did they go? Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Who was with them while they passed through death? Who did they have fellowship with in a far greater way than ever before? Jesus had perfect fellowship with the Father and the Spirit for all of eternity past. And he got a glimpse in this moment of what he would face. And do you know what he would face? Separation from perfect fellowship with the Father. He was able to gaze into the crucible in which he would burn and see the weight of sin which would crush him. That would never crush Latimer or Ridley. That would never crush you or I, because those of us who die in Christ have Christ carrying us through. Amen? Amen. When Christ died, what he saw for the first time was this. The Father had turned his face from the Son for the first time in all of eternity past. Do, do you know why the anguish was so extreme for Jesus? You're like, it's not that big of a deal. It's a huge deal. How much does sin weigh? 
more than any other man-made object on the face of the earth. And Christ would pay the price for those who would trust in him by being crushed for their transgressions. Amen? What do the disciples do? Sleep, sleep, sleep. Why? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is? My friends, do you understand how weak you are? Do you understand how strong Christ is? Do you understand how great your sin is and the cost that Christ bore for you? How heavy is sin? What's what's the scariest, most frightening predicament you've ever found yourself in? Think about that for a minute. Or concerns you might ever find yourself in. Can I tell you, it's nothing compared to the weight of sin that might have to crush you. There are some folks here going through some hard times. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Going through a hard time, put your hand up. If your hand isn't up, get ready, because one's coming. But these hard times pale in comparison to the hard time of the weight that Christ faced when the Father turned his fellowship from him and poured the weight of wrath and fury upon him. How lightly do we take sin? How inconsequential do we think it is? Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable. Listen to this. Jesus looked into the pit. The father said, look where you're going. Look what will happen. Do you want to jump? What does he say? Not my will, but yours be done. The disciples sleep because they're weak. They should be praying. They'd be sifted and they fail their sifting because they're not praying and trusting in the power of God through the Holy Spirit. You tracking with me here? And how does that work out for them? They run and deny and freak out. And Jesus, at the end of this text, says, Y'all stink. You have let me down. I'm going to die. I will rise, and I'm going to get 12 new guys. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> what, what, is, what does Jesus do at the end? Well, you've got to come back for next week. But how does this end? Y'all stink. You are a wreck. I can't stand you. You have let me down. Go to hell. Wait, I might have misread that. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, I love this. Let us be going. Does he leave them? Does he forsake them? He says, get up, sleepy boys. You let me down in my hour of greatest need, but I ain't never going to let you down. You have betrayed me. You will deny me, but I will never deny nor betray you. Amen? You have nothing to offer Christ but the pressing, crushing, ridiculously horrendous weight of your sin. And he takes it by grace through faith, and you fall asleep. I do too. What is wrong with us? Why would Jesus drink this Was he lonely? He would be lonely. Was he trying to impress the Father? Why would he drink this cup for you? 
You have nothing to offer him but torment and crushing sorrow and loneliness and despair as the Father and the fellowship will not have, have, have an eternally perfect relationship with the Son. Why would he do this? Fully human, 100% human. And here's the anguish. Man had to live a perfect life that we couldn't. Do you know what Jesus does here in Gethsemane? Perfectly loves the Father with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not my will, but yours be done. And he loves his neighbor as himself, doesn't he? Had to be fully man to live a perfect life. Had to be fully God to forgive sin. And we have 100% God and 100% man equals 100% Jesus. And he bore this weight simply because he chose to before the foundation of the world so that he might take away your sin so you would not be crushed in the pit under the weight of sin. The disciples fell asleep for sorrow, Luke tells us. It's an opiate of stress and fear and anxiety. Often we sleep because of the opiates of the world. Will we lose our salvation if we fall asleep on Christ? but we lose the joy he intends for us. How much does sin weigh? How easily do we ignore sin? How lightly do we take sin? I can only speak for myself. No big deal. God will forgive me if I try my best. Jesus died for me, so I'm forgiven. It's no big deal. Is that true? No. How big a deal is it? Heaviest thing ever. Heaviest man-made object that's ever been weighed. And if you want to carry that before the Lord God one day, you may and it will crush you. But while I was still a sinner... Do you know what Christ did? He died for me. While I was a sinner, he died for me. And by grace through faith, Jesus says, give me the insurmountable, crushing, devastating, horrendous weight of your sin, and I will be crushed by it in your place, and I will place my righteousness upon you. So you will never go into that pit, that crucible, that fiery torment of hell, but you enter into perfect fellowship with God, cared for him perfectly the whole way through. Do you see how awesome this is? And what do we return to God? We sleep. But God came to die for sleepers. God came to die for deniers and betrayers. God came to die for us, to forgive us, and then we're rough balls, thorny balls, amen? He says, Peter, he calls him Simon. He's using his old name, thorny ball. Not rock, thorny ball. Simon, you couldn't even stay awake, huh? You know, he should have said, no, I'm a wreck. Three times. Listen, God says, obey me and you will live. What does he say to Jesus? Obey me and you will die. Obey me and you will die. Obey me and I will crush you. Obey me and you will get hell. Why would he do that? Chew on that. I'm not leaving this too quick. Why would Jesus die for you at such a price. 
for deniers and liars and betrayers and people who would let him down and leave him or forsake him and not trust him and not obey him and not seek his own glory, what did he do? He died to save them so he might live with them forever. Now, anyone have trouble trusting God? Eh, just Cameron and me. Must run in the family. AJ, if your hand's not up, you have a problem lying, and then you have a problem trusting God. Do you know why you struggle to trust God? One reason? You don't understand the weight of sin. Because if you understood the weight of sin and what Christ was crushed under on your behalf, what, what, what would you be afraid of? If, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more, now that we're reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Romans 5.10. Do you think Jesus would go into the crucible for you and then leave you to despair on this side of eternity? Do you think the God who provided salvation for you will really not be able to provide for your every need? Do you think that he saved you to ruin you or did he save you for eternal life? You see, you don't understand who God is and the weight of sin, so you don't trust him well. I speak from personal experience. When you understand the weight of sin that Christ bore in your place, this is not a mathematical equation or a, a simple banking transaction. This is God incarnate being crushed. The man Jesus died so that you might live. God's perfect fellowship between father and son was severed for a time so that you might have fellowship with God. But we fail to trust him. God, you, you don't really love me that much. Does anyone ever feel that way? God, did you forget about me? You know what I hear God saying? Are you kidding me? I sent my son to die for you? Did I forget about you? I'm sorry, I'm a little fired up. <laughs> How awesome, I'm fired up because I'm annoyed at myself that I fail to trust God because I don't understand the immensity of the way to sin. On your own, you will let God down every single time. On your own, you will betray him and deny him. You will do nothing pleasing to him. And on your own fully, you'll spend eternity in the torment of hell and you can laugh in his face, but someone will bear the weight of your sin. But in Christ and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, now let's pick it up. I double-dog dare one of you guys to go smack one of my three kids. Because it's going to hurt you more than the kid. Do you know what God says to us, his children? Don't mess with my kids. I will protect them. I will provide for them. And if you touch my child, I will touch you. My daddy, he's stronger than your daddy. My daddy, he's richer than your daddy. My daddy became my daddy because he died in my place. He adopted me. He chose me. He elected me before the foundation of the world so I could call him, like my Savior calls him here, Abba, Father. 
Oh my goodness. Do you know what we have in Christ Jesus? Do you know who we are in Christ Jesus? And do you know how we became what we are in Christ Jesus? Because Christ Jesus bore the weight, not of a rotating launch platform, but the weight of sin that crushed him. It's crazy. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And you know what? He means it and he can. Sin is ugly. Sin isn't just about the visible stuff out there. It's about the heart on the inside. When you don't trust God, when you don't give glory to God, when you don't pay attention to God, when you falsely worship God, and do you know who sin hurts the most now? See, my Lord was crushed for our sin. He was pierced for our transgression, but he is risen. If we want to bear the weight of sin, listen carefully to this. When you are in Christ, all of your sin is forgiven by God but the consequences of sin will still be borne by you in measure. Do you understand that? You will lose intimacy with God. You will lose usefulness to God. You can shipwreck your faith, read 1 Timothy if you like, or you can trust in God and walk with God and live in the reality of who he is, knowing how precious you are in his sight. How precious are you to God by grace through faith? How precious? More than we deserve, amen. More than we know, more than we can ever fathom, but so precious that the Lord Jesus Christ determined that he would come and live the perfect life we couldn't. Die the death we deserve and impute or put or place his righteousness upon us so we could live with him forever. Listen, my friends, don't play with sin. It's crouching at your door and its desire is to consume you. Hmm. So the disciples forgot to pray. Do you know why they didn't lose their salvation? Somebody was praying for them. Do you know who was praying for them? Jesus. Do you know that our prayer gives us intimacy with God? It accesses the power of God, but the prayer of Christ, who continues to pray for us at the right hand of the Father, is what sustains us. And how incredible that we can pray for one another, but he is praying for us. Amen? Why is he so focused on us? Why does he so delight in us? Why did he choose to make us brothers and sisters? Did I do? Is that an accurate statement? God calls us brothers in Christ. That's biblical. We call God Father. He calls us friend. He leads us. He provides us. Oh, man. Unless you understand the depths from which you were saved, the gospel becomes far less robust than it really is. Do you know how horrible sin is? Do you know how much sin weighs? Do you know the wages of sin, how much that costs? The wages of sin is what? And Jesus died, amen? Uh, obey me, God says to Adam, and you will live. Obey me, God says to Jesus, and you will die. 
And then Jesus calls us to follow him, amen? To die to self, right? So we can be tormented and bleed blood, or sweat blood? No. So that we can live. So that we can have life in his name. So, so how do you do this? You got pen, you're going to give you 12 points of how to pull this off. Step one, read three chapters of the Bible twice a day. I'm kidding, don't write that. I would recommend reading the Bible every day. But do you know how you pull this off? Look. Gaze upon the reality. Allow this text to take you to gaze, to gaze into the crucible that Christ threw himself into. Allow this text to take you to see what Christ saw before him such that he began. He knew what he would do. He knew where he was going. Amen? But all of a sudden, he began to see it because his hour was at hand. Gaze at what he gazed upon and know what you had apart from him in Christ Jesus. Gaze upon him on the cross, being killed, being cursed, so that you might be forgiven. Gaze upon him in the tomb, fellowship with God broken. But don't you dare stop there. Because that tomb is empty. He is not dead. He is risen. And we too will rise with him if we are in him by grace through faith. Do you understand the magnificence of what just happened here? Jesus doesn't say to the Father, why should I, who am so great and glorious a person, why should I plunge myself into such dreadful, amazing torments for people who cannot even pay me back and will not even stay awake in my hour of need? Jonathan Edwards. Why should I do this? But he didn't say that. He loved us. And as we gaze upon him dying for us, as we gaze upon him loving us, we are called to adore him. Fall down in adoration and praise upon the risen Lord who died for you. And when you get up, do you know what will happen? You will be a little bit more like him. Becoming like Christ is not about us doing something to make it happen. There's not a seven-minute ab workout for Jesus. There is a life of devoted adoration and meditation, of hearing him speak through his word, gazing upon the reality of what he has done and who he is and who you are in him. And the longer you look at him and the longer you walk with him and the longer you listen to him, then you start to sound like him. When you meet my dad, we look alike. We sound alike. We laugh at the same silly jokes because I spent a lot of time with my daddy. And unfortunately, my boys start to look like me and sound like me and act like me. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, this should blow your mind. You, a dirty, wretched, sinful, selfish, sleeping fool, are becoming more and more like the God of the universe. From one degree of glory to another, you are becoming more like Jesus as you walk with him and trust in him and gaze upon him. Is this crazy or is it just me? God crushed himself by choice under the immense weight of the sin of all who would trust in him so that all who trust in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Latimer and Ridley, they didn't die for me. A Christian saint in the Colosseum, eaten by a lion, singing a psalm of praise, didn't die for me. 
No person bold and courageous in their faith died for me. They died with God in Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's how they could sing and praise God. Peter died upside down on a cross. Jesus died in anguish because Jesus bore the heaviest man-made object that ever has been. If we fail to understand the reality of sin and the weight of sin and the cost of sin, well, the gospel just becomes rather inconsequential. It sounds like this. Jesus loves me. Jesus died for me. If I trust in him, I'm forgiven by grace through faith. There's nothing inaccurate about what I said. But some people say that and nothing happens, nothing changes. Do you know why? They never really understood what took place there. God himself became one of us and he came, behold, remember last week? Behold the Lamb of God. We can change that. Come to be crushed under the weight of the heaviest object ever made by man. So that we might not be crushed, but we might live. It's a scary predicament when your eyesight starts to go, amen? You never will be able to see again. Can you imagine living, not seeing? especially for those of us who have sight now, how much would we be missing? How frightening would that be? Could you imagine spending all of eternity never being able to gaze upon God, never being able to hear from God or fellowship with God and facing nothing other than the wrath of God for all of eternity and the fiery torment of hell? Do you know what Jesus came to save you from? And do you know what he came to save you to? Take a moment. This is not an academic book just for us to learn some facts from. This is truth, and it is God's truth by which we are sanctified. And as we gaze upon the reality of who Christ is and what he has done, the Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out. So let me ask you this question again. Where are you failing to trust Jesus? We all have areas, don't we? Where are you failing to believe what Jesus says is true? Where are you failing to trust that he will do what he says he will do? Where are you, shall we say, sleeping? Gaze upon the beauty of the reality of who he is. Ask the Holy Spirit to wake you from your slumber and sleep. Trust in Christ because every word of God proves true. And think about this last question. Why would he pay such a price for you? If he paid such a price as that, do you really think there's anything you need to fear for? Do you really think there's anything he won't provide for you that you need? Here's the rub prickly balls. We say to God, you don't know what I need as well as I do. You don't understand what it takes to be happy. You don't understand what I need to have joy. You, yeah, yeah, shush. He understands far better than you do because he made you and he owns you and he reconciled you by the death of his son. And now he calls you children. So if you buy a copy of the Guinness Book of World Records and you look up the heaviest man-made object in the world, may I suggest that you call the editors of the book and you say, actually, this is not correct. 
The correct answer is found in Mark 14, verse 32 to 42. And the heaviest object made by man that has ever been weighed is sin. And then you tell that editor, but I have good news for you. My Lord Jesus Christ came because we were all going to be crushed under the weight of our sin. And he chose to be crushed in our place if we would believe in him and trust in him. And you too, editor of the Guinness Book of World Record, can be forgiven by grace through faith and have the weight of your sin removed so you might have eternal life. And I wonder if they might change that entry next year and put a picture of the cross and say the heaviest man-made object that has ever been weighed is the sin of humanity. And Jesus Christ bore that sin for those who would believe in him so that they might have life in his name. And I hope they put a caption. This price is not offered to be paid for good people. This price will not be paid for righteous people. This price will not be paid for healthy people. This price will only be paid for people like Judas and people like Peter and people who fall asleep and deny Christ and betray Christ and run away from Christ and, and fail to believe that he means what he says because it is in people like that, weak people, that his strength is made perfect and manifest. Now, I don't know what that would look like in the Guinness Book of World Records, but I do know what it looks like in Scripture. After our Lord was in anguish, greatly distressed, sorrowful even to death, sweating as if drops of blood, saying to the Father, remove this cup from me. He says, yet not my will, yours be done. And if you read on in Scripture, it says that Jesus was able to do this for the glory set before him. Jesus trusted the Father and was glorified. Let me just give you this last crazy thing. If you trust the Father, do you know what the Father will do for you? He will glorify you. God will glorify you. God will glorify you. He will reward you for trusting in him. He will allow you to feast with him, to live with him, to spend eternity with him. There will be a day when he will take spiky ball people like us, perfectly refined, made into precious image of Christ perfectly. As he is perfect, we will be perfect. And we will dwell with him forever because the price has been paid on our behalf. Now, I think this is a magnificent text. I, I, have you ever truly gazed at the weight of sin? Don't mess with it, folks. Don't mess with a little itty bitty tiny little bit of it. Because for every little itty bitty tiny little bit of it, our Lord Jesus had to die. And if you could sin lightly and don't care, I give you this word, word of warning. If you could sin lightly and do not care, you may not know Christ as your Savior. If you can sin, you'll know Christ as your Savior. If you sin and care, you know Christ as your Savior. But if you are complacent with sin and can look Jesus in the eye and say, thank you for bearing that weight for me, but I don't particularly care so much to avoid sin, just listen to the banging sound of the nails as you drive them into them. The way we hate sin is not by trying harder to hate it. It's by trusting in God so that we can love him better by his power. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fiery furnace. You remember that? It's a scary furnace. 
Jesus went into a far scarier furnace, a far hotter heat, a far costlier price to be paid. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do you remember what happened with them? They got burned alive? What happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were preserved in the fire. You remember that story pretty well? I think we have a theophany in that story. There was someone else hanging out in the crucible. Somebody else hanging out in the fire with them. Someone preserving them in that fire. Do you know what that points to, I do believe? The fact that one day our Lord will be consumed by the wrath of God so that we would be preserved and never have to face it. I could sum this whole message up into this. God loves you far more than you realize. You are far greater a sinner than you can ever comprehend. But Jesus bore the weight in your place if you will trust in him. If you're catching on to this, you say, Pastor, that's two weeks in a row you've preached the sermon and then given us a 15-minute recap. I tell you, I've got to earn my keep. I can't do the 15-second recap. Lord God, we come before you confessing that we are weak, admitting that we sin lightly. I would imagine this morning each and every one of us has found numerous opportunities to sin, perhaps most we didn't even notice. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to not sin, not because we have to earn your favor, but so we can enjoy fellowship with you as you intend. Lord, help us see today into that pit that Christ was able to gaze into in Gethsemane. Don't give us a full view. It's too much for us to handle. But allow us to see our Savior in anguish and distress and sorrow, even to the point of death. Lord, on this cold night, a cold night when a few hours later they'd be standing by a fire when Peter denied our Lord. On this cold night, let us see our Lord sweating because of the anguish he felt, because of the reality he faced. And let us be reminded of who we were. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, you tell us, God. No one is righteous, no, not one. Holy Spirit, please, if there's anyone here who has not yet trusted in you and thinks that it is on their own merits that they're going to come to you and say, I did a good job, let me in. Lord, convict them fully of sin in their life. Help them understand that there are two choices. They can bear the weight of sin and be crushed by you, or Christ can bear it in their place. And please have them turn to you and trust in you and have life in your name. And Lord, for those of us who have trusted in you, help us remember what we have been saved from. Wake us from our slumber and sleep when we fail to trust in you and walk with you and rejoice in you. When we fail to heed the words of, uh, of the apostles through the epistles. Lord, when Paul tells us this light, momentary affliction, we cry out, it's not so light and it sure ain't momentary. It is when we see it through your eyes. Consider pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. No, God, we can't do that. Yes, we can, as we trust in you and walk with you, knowing that any trial we face, any tribulation that comes before us, comes because you allow it or cause it, because through it, we will receive what is best. Lord, that is impossible to believe on our own, and we sometimes just want to go to sleep and sorrow and ignore it. But Lord, wake us, strengthen us, guide us, encourage us, and help us trust that you know what you're doing and your ways are perfect and your timing is perfect as well. Lord Jesus, thank you 
Thank you for coming to save us. Thank you for bearing the weight that we could never bear. Thank you for giving us fellowship with you. And Lord, help us live like people who understand who we are in your name. Lord, help us rejoice in you, trust in you, walk with you, to never be complacent with our current level of sin. And by your power and for your glory to flee sin as you transform us from one degree of glory to another. Lord Jesus, thank you is an inconsequential phrase, but it's the best we got. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us so that we can first love, so that we can love you. Lord, may you alone receive the glory and praise and honor forever and ever. Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen.